Christmas. Christmas. So excited to check that out. Yeah, every time I come, you know, these next few weeks, you're going to see all my Christmas sock collection. So it's going to be awesome. Um, woo! No, no comment. Not everybody gets to see that. So uh, a couple of just a, a housekeeping. One is a, a special welcome to you, especially if you're here at Discovery for the first or first few times. Uh, we're just honored to have you here. I, I just want to share again, um, especially for those of you who are new, that I'm uh, the transition pastor, Pastor Jeff Kreiser. I get to have the privilege of, of coming up here and, and sharing a teaching at least uh, once a month and helping the great leadership of this church guide and direct kind of where Discovery Church is going, and there's just some great direction in that. And I just want to give some props before we get into the Word. We've got a great Word um, this morning. If you're ready on your phone to look it up, <laughs> uh, you can go to the Gospel of Luke, because we're going to look at several passages there, starting in Luke 24. If you have a, a paper Bible, you can open there. If you need a paper Bible, there's ones on the communion stands in the middle of the room. If you don't have a Bible, it would be our greatest joy to gift you a Bible, especially in this Christmas season, a season of giving. But I just want to just say, um, and I just want us to be ready to give a roaring applause for Austin and the worship team. Come on. And especially, you know, it's a season for giving, it's a season for celebration and for new decorations and all that kind of stuff. But... Um, it's also the season where illness can come along, too. And uh, Pastor Roley, our, our worship pastor and jack-of-all-trades for our church, is actually home sick today. So uh, if you can remember, remember Roley and uh, Danny and family in prayer just for Roley's recovery um, and coming back on track in this important uh, Christmas season. Uh, wanted to put that out there, uh, your direction. And also, um, just, I just think the Advent tradition is, is so fun. I don't know if any of you grew up in, in a church environment. I hung out with this great guy I got to know this morning, Reed, and he grew up in the Presbyterian church tradition. And so, you know, in that kind of a tradition, this, this Advent wreath idea is actually really a big part of the idea of preparation for Christmas. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the simple concept of Advent, Advent is uh, the four Sundays preceding Christmas. So it can be as short as 22 days, which this year it's really, really short because this is the first Sunday of Advent, or it can be longer. It can be up to 28 days. And it comes from a Latin word meaning uh, arrival or coming. And so it's really meant to be a time to remember that Jesus came, but also that Jesus is coming again. Our gospel is not only that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son, but that God loved the world so much that he's at work to redeem all of the world through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is going to come back to rule and reign forevermore. Amen? So uh, we want to be able to, to focus on the birth of Christ. Um, like you saw in the video, you know, how is it that we just be able to refocus on Jesus Christ, refocus on Jesus Christ and refresh in him during this season? Because it's really hard to, to focus on Jesus, honestly. Especially, you know, the news of the day comes at us really fast and constant, right? We don't know what today will bring. We don't know what yesterday would bring. Uh, we've lived in a year of uh, massive, um, in-your-face, gut-punch kind of event experiences, right? And I, and I think there was a time where two... People were walking on a road talking about one of this time, one with another. They were leaving a great city, 
and they were walking and talking together about what was going on in terms of their life and their world. It was a time of political upheaval, a time of conflict, a time of uh, great migration and economic transformation, and um, some this incredible event uh, of the killing of Jesus Christ had taken place, the crucifixion had taken place, and they were walking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus when a third party walked up to them. How many of you know this story? It's in Luke chapter 24, so let me bring you up to speed. These two men are walking out of Jerusalem toward Emmaus. A third party walks up. Uh, they're very distressed. They're anxious about what's taken place. They're talking about that. The, the third party says, hey, you know, what's going on? Tell me. And they said, uh, they let him know what's going on. They, he, they said it's about Jesus. He said, who's Jesus? And um, don't you know that he is a prophet? We were expecting him to bring the kingdom. And all of a sudden, this, this person that they didn't recognize says to them, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right, let's, let's look at this scripture. It'll be, uh, I have a slide for you to be able to look along with me. Uh, in Luke chapter 24, 25 to 27, where we're jumping into this passage. And it says, uh, he said to them, now this is the third party walking with him, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. How many scriptures? All the scriptures concerning himself. Now, we need to understand that there's a great reassurance, and we're focusing this morning on the subject of prophecy and what the prophets shared, and what the prophets shared about Jesus when he came and what the prophets share about the fact that Jesus has come and is coming again. So, Let's look at it. Prophecy, what is it? First, we have to get to an understanding because the common understanding is that prophecy is really kind of uh, projections. So we're coming to the end of the year and going into the new year, and you're going to get all kinds of magazines uh, from uh, First Things to Wired to others that are going to say, what is 2018 going to hold? And they'll make all kinds of predictions in terms of what's happening. It's actually really fun to go back a year pick something up and say, what did they think was going to happen in 2017? What's their track record with that? Oftentimes, not very good, right? Or we think in terms of prophecy that it's just foretelling the future. So we think maybe of a crystal ball or a medium. Like, that's the popular idea. But when you look at Zechariah and Malachi and Habakkuk and Isaiah and Jeremiah, that's not really what you see at all when you look at the prophets, the scriptural, the biblical prophets. What you see is that prophecy, biblically, is the gift of communicating and enforcing revealed truth. Revealed truth comes to the prophet. God does not do anything without telling it through the prophets, the scripture says. And then that revealed truth, meaning truth is how things really are. How things really are. Because a lot of times we aren't really seeing how things really are. We're, through, we're seeing through a lens. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And the prophets were able to kind of cut through that, bring the revealed truth of God, and call often for the people of God to make a change. But they also brought these words of hope about Messiah, the one who would come to save. So it's truth of how things really are, or how things are going to be. 
So all of history, I want to tell you from, from the fall, if you go back and read Genesis chapter 3, it's the very beginning of the Bible, third chapter of the Bible, from Genesis 3 to the end of Malachi, it's a giant flashing sign toward the fact that God would save, right? That's the, the glory of the Old Testament, the worth of the Old Testament, the reason that we should devour the scriptures of God is because everything in that Old Testament is pointing to what is to come. And I want to challenge you this morning as we move into this, what is your knowledge of the prophecies? What is your knowledge of the signs that Jesus was to come or even that he's going to come again? Because I will tell you this, and I've been reminding actually our youth staff our kids' ministry staff, our paid staff, this. You cannot love whom you do not know. The more you know someone, the more you journey with someone, the more you listen to someone, the more you share experience with someone, the more you move from information exchange to feelings and dreams and hopes and fears and desires and transparency and vulnerability. Love comes. And this is how Jesus wants you to know him. And that's why he walked up to those two travelers, those two journeyers, and he began to walk with them. Jesus is walking with you. Jesus is walking with you. And he doesn't want you to be stirred up in the anxiety of the day or the rush of the season. He wants you to know the truth about who he is. Let's look about how, how, what really happens. We're going to flash forward. we got the scripture up on the next slide. Let's look at this and read this together. It's in Luke 24, 30 to 32. Because they invited him in. He said he would stay. They sat down for a meal. He picked up the bread and he broke it. Let's hear the scripture. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They answered each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Discovery Church. I have a challenge for you. First Sunday of Advent. First Sunday of Advent is to pray a simple prayer with me. Next slide. Is this prayer. Read it out loud with me. Jesus, open my eyes to see you today. What will happen in your life where you go, Jesus is journeying with me in my life. And you, you turn to him as you begin that journey every morning and you say, Jesus, open my eyes to see you today. What kind of Christmas are you going to have in 2017? Lord Jesus, we pray that you would open our eyes to see you today. Teach us from your scriptures. Teach us by your Holy Spirit present with us. Yes, come Holy Spirit, because we're so limited 
in figuring things out. We need you to figure things in, not only to our mind, but to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just do a little uh, prophecy journey, shall we? So we want to start by looking back, looking back. Uh, again, in, in Luke, Luke 24 is a treasure trove because you have the journey on the road to Emmaus, and you have Jesus opening things up in ways that they did not understand before. But then Jesus, as they go back to Jerusalem and make report to the disciples, boop, there's Jesus again. That was something cool about Jesus, right? And resurrected, resurrected Jesus, you know. Talladega Nights, they like baby Jesus, but I like resurrected Jesus. I like resurrected Jesus. He just shows up, and he shows up, and there's this, this incident that he has in Luke chapter uh, 24, 44, and 45, and where he opens their understanding so they can understand, they can comprehend. Read the scripture as I read it uh, out loud. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything, how much? How much? Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And honestly, one of my top 10 scriptures in the whole Bible, if you're going to memorize, and some of you are navigators, so you know how to memorize, Luke chapter 24, verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. They, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He took off the limitations. He took out the lenses so that they could see. Um, there's actually a bunch of different numbers that you're going to find if you check up on me online on, on uh, internet searches about the number of prophecies and the number of fulfilled prophecies. But guaranteed, I will tell you, there are more than 350 specific prophecies of Messiah in the Old Testament. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I bet you could find 15 more so you could do one a day the rest of the year and come back around on the calendar and still read something about Jesus that was foretold, a truth that was told about Jesus. And this was very important because the Jews are people who believed and understood that God knew all things and God was outside of time and Yahweh was going to be able to see the end uh, from the beginning. This is the God we know, people. God's not wondering what's going to happen next or next week or, you know, at the end of, uh, of this season or at the end of this decade or at the end of this century. God knows. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God you're invited to know is the God who knows. And the Jews knew that. And so the Jews knew that God could speak into time and say, look for this, because when you see this, this is what it means. This is what's going to come to pass. So you read stuff like in uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, Jews look for a sign. Or when Jesus is commenting in the midst of his ministry about the people who were coming to look at him in Luke chapter 11, verse 16, where he says, these people look for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah, which is another powerful uh, Old Testament image and metaphor is, is Jonah's time in the belly of the whale. Woo, so much in the Old Testament to learn that foreshadows, that precursors Jesus, right? The challenge is we all have a filter or a lens. Uh, show this next picture. I want to ask, what do you see when you see this? How many of you see a duck? How many of you see a bunny? 
Now, how many of you see a duck and a bunny? <laughs> All right, but, but what was happening inside you to see that? Take the next picture. How many see people talking to each other? How many people see a candlestick? What is your eye drawn to? Human beings, fellow journeyers on the earth. We have filters. Where do the filters come from? The filters come from our family. They come from our ethnic group. They come from the geographic place in which we were born or raised. It comes from whether we had an urban or a rural upbringing. Um, there's so much by which uh, we have learned that actually can create a way in which you're going to see something. Does everybody understand this? And so, in terms of looking back, we can't really fault the two on the road to Emmaus. We can't really fault the disciples who were still like, what do you mean you have to die, Jesus? <laughs> Had they never heard Isaiah 53 at synagogue? Or Psalm 22? Because they were pretty disciplined, the Jews, at moving through the whole counsel of the word of God. But they'd never understood that. I mean, at their time, their filter was this. They were an occupied people. The Romans ruled their land. And they wanted freedom. And this had been going on for about 80 plus years. And so at least two plus generations. Maybe the third generation or the fourth generation of occupation. And they're like... Freedom! That's what they want. And they, and they were looking at all the Old Testament prophecies about how the Messiah would bring freedom and they poured it through that filter and they had expectations of Jesus, of who Messiah would be. But when you look at the whole counsel of the Word of God, when you look at Old Testament prototypes and metaphors, and we don't have time to go through all of them today, so I'm just going to show you these seven, because seven is a biblical number of completion. So the, here's seven, but there's way more. I already brought up Jonah, which was like just an added bonus because it's not even in my notes. It just came to mind. But when you look at these Old Testament prototypes and metaphors or even very specific prophecies, you begin to see that, that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come not just for the Jewish people, but for the nations, for all peoples. And that's the very first prophecy where the, the, the Messiah would be born of a woman and that the seed of woman would overcome the serpent would overcome what had happened in the fall, right? And then you look at uh, Abraham's seed that's going to bless all the nations in Genesis chapter 12 and then repeated again and again to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob about what it was going to mean that Abraham's seed would bless all the nations of the earth who would be Messiah. The whole experience of the Passover, multiple aspects of the, uh, of the deliverance from Egypt, but specifically the Passover lamb, the, the perfect spotless lamb that would be slain and the blood would be over the lintel and on the doorpost, over the lintel and on the doorpost, people of God, over the lintel and on the doorpost, the blood of the lamb that would do what? Let the angel of, the, angel of death pass over. Do you want the angel of death to pass over you, people of God? You need to have the blood applied to you. The blood of Christ that has forgiven sin. 
And God was beginning to teach that it was going to take sacrifice for sin to be forgiven and for life to be given. Okay? Son of David, misspelling on Isaiah. Sorry about that. Isaiah 9-7, we heard it read this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, that he would be the son of David and inherit the throne of David, the authority, the kingly position of David, that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that Jesus would be the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, and then in Jeremiah 31, 31 and following, that he would bring a new covenant a new agreement between God and people. And so when we celebrate the Lord's table, we celebrate communion, we celebrate the Lord's supper, Jesus said in the breaking of the bread and the giving of the cup, this is the new, what? Covenant in my blood. My blood. Shed for the forgiveness of many. To free people from the fear and the reality of death, to free you to the hope of eternal life. Wow. You know, a good gift to yourself, we like giving gifts, but we like getting gifts. I'm, I'm okay with getting or giving gifts. Joy in both. That's not a request of any of you <laughs> in this Christmas season. But what I'm saying is, in, in the giving, a gift you could give yourself is to Pick up the Gospel of Luke. Pick up the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John in this Christmas season. It's not a long read. It's not a hard read. But read it with a new eye, an eye on prophecy. Look for the many, many times it says, this was done so that it would be fulfilled. That's all those prophecies. And when you read that in your scripture... The footnote, if you're in your written Bible, and then also the reference, that if you're on your online Bible, it will tell you what that Old Testament scripture is. And then leaf back in the Bible, find that Old Testament scripture, and believe this was given 400 years, 600 years, 1,400 years before the advent of Christ, before the arrival of Messiah, before the coming of Messiah. But it was fulfilled in him. Amen? 350 plus. Have fun with that. Right? So read this again with me. Put the next slide up. Read this prayer with me. Jesus. You haven't figured out we're going somewhere with that today. So what we want to think about is, is the fact that if, of not only if we, we look back, but how can you see him now in our contemporary world? And what kind of response does that bring? Because what we saw in the story in Luke chapter 24 for the men journeying on that road to Emmaus, there was a response. If you keep reading, it says, wasn't our heart burning within us when he opened the scriptures to us? The very next verse says, they jumped back out on the road. By the way, if you read contextually, very dangerous choice to walk back from Emmaus to Jerusalem <laughs> after the close of day to tell those disciples, he is risen. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. Are you ready for one more, um, one more story about opened eyes? Uh, if you have your Bible open to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, you can look it up. And we're going to begin looking in 
um, and talking about uh, this scripture in verse 25. This is actually my, my treasured most favorite story of Christmas because it has to do with really old people. And one thing, if you've hung out with grandma or grandpa or great-grandma or great-grandpa or, um, you know, someone with whom you've had the privilege of knowing and has had the, the opportunity to live in their 80s or 90s, this is, this is the thing I really like. Uh, almost nothing matters to them anymore. And they're a lot more unedited. And that can be darn funny, honestly. But also, also what I've really noticed is this. They don't care about many things, but the things that they do care about, they care profoundly and deeply, more deeply than any other people that I know. They're holding on, they're digging deep. And so we meet these two old people in the Bible, Simeon and Anna. So let's just hear the word of God. Again, beginning in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was the custom of the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He's quoting scripture there. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. You're like, what's the difference between old and very old? Well, the Bible tells us. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Woo! Let me look at the clock. I wish we had another hour to unpack this passage. I just want to either introduce you to it or, or refresh you with it. These are, these are gospel recognition stories because Simeon is someone who God had made a promise to and God fulfills that promise. You know, what does that mean? Is that God makes individual promises to people and that's okay. God gives words or convictions to you, a revelation in your mind or heart about a relationship or a person or something that he's going to do. Because the scripture says, when you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. God is ready to show you something individually, which he did to Simeon. And then God guided Simeon, right, to Jesus, who was being brought 
so that they could make the sacrifice for their newborn in the temple. And he picked him up and he blessed God and he declared who Jesus really is. And he declared the fulfillment of the scriptures both for the Jews and all who were not Jews and the good news that this would be. And then here comes this woman, Anna, married for seven years. Maybe she was married at 14, average marrying age at that time. So she was married until she was 21, which means then she had 63 years of being single, of giving herself to fasting and to prayer and to knowing and understanding God. And God gave the privilege to this woman of longevity because not many people lived that long during that era. But God had preserved her and said, look, these elderly people whom we honor, I'm giving this great privilege of having eyes to see and understand because even Mary and Joseph, who had angels visit them, read earlier in the passage, couldn't really completely comprehend what was going on. Simeon actually prophesies over Mary and Jesus. If you didn't notice, there's a prophecy in the New Testament. There's multiple prophecies in the New Testament because prophecy is ongoing. Revelation God continuing to open eyes and align so people can see and understand what is written in the scriptures, to understand what's written in the scriptures. Simeon speaks that out over Mary, and it comes to pass. A sword would pierce her own soul. And then how is Hannah described? A prophetess, a prophet, a speaker of truth. Someone who, to whom truth was revealed, and then she could reveal it to other people. Very, very special people. But this, this experience when you see him, because they both saw Jesus. When you see him, and then you know him, because they, they had been given of God the understanding of who Messiah would be. When you see him, and you know him, you love him. And then you share him. Anna's like, hey, everybody in the temple, hold on one second. Do you know what's going on right here? Actually, she probably didn't do it that way because she was 84 years old. But somehow, in her own way, to whomever would listen, she said, please stop in the busyness of what's going on in the season and recognize it. The Messiah has come. Jesus is here. Can you see him now? Read this prayer with me. Next slide. Oh, I thought I had another slide. Do you remember it? I'll remind you, then we'll say it together. Jesus, open my eyes to see you today. Say it with me. Jesus, open my eyes to see you today. Because by seeing him today, then you can look ahead to what he is doing and is going to do in the glory of his kingdom. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. We heard it read. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. What is that time on and forever? That time on is a time when he died on the cross and he reclaimed what we gave up as human beings 
which is authority over all creation. How do we know? Because Jesus rose again, he ascended, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And all authority, it says in Matthew 28, has been given to him. All authority. He's seated on that throne now. And what does it say? The zeal of Yahweh, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Christians, what do we pray? Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Say this phrase with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus reign and rule, his kingdom, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. It's already here. It came 2,000 plus years ago. It was inaugurated. And it's been expanding over the face of the earth. There's more of the glory and the goodness of God and the redemption of God on the face of the planet today than there has been at any time in history. Because the kingdom is here and is advancing. And we as his followers pray a prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This perfect place of your rule to break in and to rule here. Why? Because something marvelous happened. Revelation. Yes, we'd get to Revelation. You knew we would. Revelation eleven fifteen to 17. Here's one passage, and you'll recognize a phrase from this, uh, from Handel's Messiah. How many people listen to Handel's Messiah in the Christmas season? Some of you, or you go to a sing-along Messiah. You know, the Messiah was written for Easter, not for Christmas. Did you know that? The Hallelujah Chorus is the celebration <laughs> of the resurrection and the power and the authority and the kingdom that Christ established. So when you hear the Hallelujah Chorus played at Christmas, it's perfectly appropriate because we're celebrating that Christ came but that he's coming again. Let me read this scripture again. Powerful. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and you've begun to reign. And it's a reign that will continue through all eternity. It's a reign that will continue through the existence of this wonderful globe that's spinning around the sun in our little solar system until he makes all things new, the new heavens and the new earth. Yes, Jesus is coming again. Jesus will come to inherit all that is his, which is all the earth. And when he comes, when he comes, will you know him? Will you love him? Will you have shared him? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Such an easy time to talk about Jesus. Such an easy time to take just one thing you learned today and bring it to work tomorrow, to bring it to class tomorrow, to bring it back to your home today, to your dorm today. 
and we want to keep learning and growing. Um, I want to share with you that if you're using the Discovery Church app, that there is a daily reading that actually began yesterday, so you got to catch up because it goes from December 1st to 26th. There was also actually this small card. How many of you can actually put your hand on this card? Because if you actually have a paper Bible, it's really cool to put it right in the paper Bible. But I just outlined uh, 26 prophecies of Old Testament, their fulfillment in the New Testament. And um, if you can work that into your devotional life at the end of your day, the beginning of your day, um, who here wants to, to get closer to Jesus this Christmas season? Right. That's, that's what we're going to do as discovery in these weeks ahead and on Christmas Eve and as we close the year. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. It's very appropriate that, um, and wonderful that we have a weekly sharing of the table. <laughs> because how wonderful that, as we've shared about the, the, um, the fulfillment or in the coming of Christ and the new, the new covenant, the New Testament, that we have a, a weekly celebration. If you're newer to the Christian faith, Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he would die on the cross the next day. He shared the Passover meal with his disciples. And during that meal, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Remember the bread given, the eternal bread, the bread from heaven, given in the, the wilderness to the people of Israel. Read the Gospel of John. Jesus is the bread of life. And during that meal, he also took up a cup, and, and it was a cup of, of wine. And he said, this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. And when he said, remember me, he meant not only what he did on the cross, but everything that God had done to prepare a Messiah from the Jews to save all peoples. Remember me. So um, during our worship and our response uh, singing that the, the worship team will lead us in, there's a table to my left and to my right. There's a table um, to my right and to my left there in the middle of the auditorium. And we want you to come forward to take that, that cup or take that bread and dip it in the cup. And I want to challenge you to, to go back, listen to the words of the songs that we're singing, songs of the season. I want you to think about what you've heard from Holy Spirit today. I want you to pray that prayer. Jesus, let me see you today. Let me see you today. And if you're here today um, and you are dealing with an illness, if you're dealing with a, a hurting relationship, if you've not yet met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, more than anything, we want to make sure that, that you know that, that God can touch that area of your life and that God wants you to know him. We have prayer partners that are available during our communion and response time on this side of the auditorium. Come and speak with me or one of our prayer partners and we'll be happy to lift up any concern you have. And if you're new to this faith and you're like, I want to know this Jesus who fulfilled over 350 prophecies, I want to know this Jesus who can give me life. Come and talk to us and we'll pray with you and God will show himself to you and you can be renewed, forgiven, and coming into his family. Worship team, lead us. Come when you're ready and share in the table.